Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. So good evening, everyone. It's a pleasure to see all of you. And welcome to those who may be new. And to me, the New York Zen Center Sangha is um, the most important thing is sitting but it's also the expression of sitting is how we're in relationship with each other so how we're showing up and caring for one another is such a great barometer for how we're doing and i just feel so um, moved by zenju's talk from last night and it's really appreciating this life of practice and continuous practice of what Dogen has brought us to study in these 90 days. And now we're just in day eight. We're just at the end. I wanted to share a poem of Dogen to, for Zenju because she shared that beautiful poem by Dogen last night. And so I offer this for her and for all of us. And the poem is titled, Treading Along in This Dreamlike Illusory Realm. Treading along in this dreamlike illusory realm without looking for the traces I may have left. A cuckoo's song beckons me to return home. Hearing this, I tilt my head to see who has told me to turn back. But do not ask me where I'm going as I travel to the limitless world where every step I take is my home. In this limitless world. Not easy to say, well, maybe easy to say. And as my teacher, she often says, things are easy to say and take everything to do. How easy it is to get caught in the perspective 
and think that we're right. And yes, I will share the poem, Patricia. <laughs> Definitely. I was talking with many people today and just hearing about different struggles that they're having and how often the struggle is kind of gripping onto one view. One person was talking about a partner and if they just would X, Y, Z, then they would be perfect. Someone else was sharing with me about their boss. And if they just X, Y, Z, then it would be perfect. At the same time, how do we learn how to know when to use our voice and use our actions to also shift things? As the call of this time is also asking us to do. What sacrifices are we willing to change? How much are we willing to change? How much am I willing to give up my fixed ideas? How I spend my time, what I reflect on, where I go, who I reach out to, Am I willing to shift? How much of that am I willing to shift? To me, this is such an important question. How much are we willing to shift? What does it mean? You know, the text for today's commit to sit speaks about sacrifice. What are we willing to do? And many people I know I spoke to today were like, sacrifice? I don't want to sacrifice anything. But nothing changes if we don't sacrifice something. been thinking so much. I've been listening to one of my, I grew up on a group called Sweet Honey on the Rock. My mother played it all the time. And uh, so it, it's also like, like Bernice Reagan Johnson and all of these amazing women to feel like it makes me feel like a little boy, you know? And so it's like the sound of my childhood. And uh, and they have one song where it talks about like, who will you harbor? Mm. Who are you willing to be a harbor for? Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know why, but every time I hear that, it just really moves me. Mm-hmm. And they go through this long list of all the people who have been disenfranchised, including, of course, Black people. Mm-hmm. Themselves, the people singing. And how are we showing up to be a harbor for others? So I want to read and uh, the selection for today, which is about Wei Neng. And so Zenju also talked about Wei Neng last night. And uh, one of my students once said, you know, I want to get t-shirts. So Wei Neng was my, is my homeboy, you know. <laughs> Wei Neng was, well, it tells the story. Wei Neng, the sixth ancestor in China, was a woodcutter from the Xin region who could hardly be called learned. He had lost his father when he was very young and then brought up by his old mother, and he worked as a woodcutter to support her. Upon hearing a phrase from a sutra at the crossroads in town, he left his mother and set out in search of Dharma. He was a great vessel, rare for any time. An outstanding practitioner of the way. And then this part that Dogen writes always touches me. Separating from his loving mother must have been more difficult than cutting off his own arm. Setting aside his filial obligation was not lightly done. What are you willing to do? First of all, I feel like there's something just so important about, you know, there he was in the midst of his life. At the crossroads, you know, if you were in New York City, you could be on Broadway and 107th Street. That's where I live. And hearing something, receiving something, and realizing that you have to change. Zanji spoke about the murder being like a bell that rings throughout the world. And how do we hear these bells fully? How do you hear the bells in your life even today? I had a little time to go outside today and saw the light coming through the leaves. There's still that bright green before the, it gets into summer where they turn that darker green. So beautiful. This is what you're wearing? Yeah. Ah. Actually, I felt I was go Right before I looked up, I was lost in some thought. Not how to count. Mm-hmm. 
sure of something. Ever been sure of something and then feel the breeze in your skin or hear a sound and allow yourself to shift. Nguyen Ning was an unusual person, as Dogen says. Many people say he was illiterate, not schooled. It's one of the reasons I've always loved Wei Ning. Not conventional by any means a very poor young man chopping wood to make a living, not in a glamorous situation, and yet willing in supporting his mother And at a certain point, he knew that he had to change. He had to go. There are so many stories in my family and, you know, families of immigrants that I've heard where the parents send off their child, even though they know it's going to be hard for them but they want their child to have another life. Our grandfather was one of those people put on a boat when he was 13, alone to come to another country. My great grandfather also. Imagine what that was like for the parents standing at the shore, seeing their child leave on a big boat, a freighter, not knowing what will come of them. I wonder about Wei Ning's mother. You know, in this version, it's always like that he left her, but I always imagined that she said, I think you've got to listen to yourself. Imagine her like my great, great grandmother, putting her young child on a boat. And how do we even do that internally to allow ourselves to like put other parts of us on boats? To allow ourselves to explore new ways of being and functioning. How do each of us really make conscious sacrifices of saying like, yeah, I normally think of myself in this way. And yet what now, how can I function differently? How do I really rest on the receptive ground of the Dharma and do something new? Mm 
I feel myself in this incredible tenderness. And I described it the other day of feeling like that. I lived next to this farm for a time and there were the tilling machine. It, it looked always very violent to me when it was tilling the farm. I feel like the soil being tilled by this kind of violent machine. And the great love that's required to just appreciate. But how do we each really think about how we want to move forward? What is the sacrifice that you need to make? Whether you're like the mother, Wei Ning's mother, or Wei Ning himself, or both of them. How do you change how you are going to make yourself available in this life? It's this amazing process. I love the next sentence of Dogen after he talks about, you know, setting aside his filial obligation was not lightly done. He says, he threw himself into Hungren's assembly and he pounded rice day and night for eight months without sleep or rest. Just like, mm. <laughs> what would it be like to throw yourself into practice in that kind of way? Probably not all of us are not gonna not sleep for eight months. But how do we like use the spirit of that to say, okay, I can really do this. That kind of energy. This continuous practice. I love that Dogen, you know, keeps bringing this story after story of our ancestors to say, yeah, there's so many expressions of this continuous practice. And I would keep hearing him say, okay, and what's yours? What are each of our expressions of this continued practice? Sacrifice, as some people were in the, apparently in the Facebook group today were saying like, oh, sacrifice, I don't, I didn't get into this for that. <laughs> I'm not giving up anything. Sacrifice originally in the, um, in the Middle English came just to mean holy. It was a holy activity, a sacred activity to sacrifice. A way to connect to what we give most value to. To me, it's like the way of like generosity is also, you know, some way of sacrifice of connecting to you know, if I can give time or some of my resources or whatever that is. 
And to me, the joy of it comes when I don't think that what I have is mine, but I'm a steward of this body and these resources. And where else are they needed? Where is the body needed? Where is my voice needed? Where is my ear needed? Where are my shekels needed? How do you think about that? How do you think about what you could offer? How can you step forward? Like Wei Ning leaving his known and comfortable situation where everything was kind of known. He chopped wood, took care of his mother, chopped wood and took care of his mother. Then he did something completely different. I've been really exploring for me, like how can I function differently? How can we think about how our Sangha functions differently? How do we widen out our practice differently? What do I take a stand on? What's most important? To me, it's an amazing thing to like really think about even in your body, like how to kind of sit upright in our zaza, right? The beauty of having a body. And how do we adjust, keep adjusting our posture so our shoulders are open, our spine is upright, and we're rooted in the softness of our belly and on the ground in the world. And when I'm upright like that and open and soft, I feel like there's so many more possibilities. And for me, what is to be sacrificed or made holy or made sacred is easier to see. But if I'm worried and tight and consumed, really hard to see. in the, her beautiful poem called Sacrifice, Audre Lorde says in the end of the poem, unless we refuse to sleep like Wei Neng for those eight months, even one night in houses of marble, the sight of our children's false pleasure will undo us. For our children have grown in the shadow of what was the shape of marble between their eyes and the sun. But we do not wish to stand like great marble statues between our children's eyes and their sun. 
learning all we can use, only what is vital. And only sacrifice of worth is the sacrifice of desire. Learning all we can use, only what is vital. How do we use what is vital? To find your expression, what you're willing to offer in this moment and then the next moment. I've heard so many people talking about like, well, I feel like I should be doing X or Y. Trust the Dharma. And that what is vital is expressing itself and is that is what we can truly offer. What is vital? What's alive? That's the adventure. And that's what's so mysterious about the Dharma.